And happy tax day, right? Uh, April 15th and snow coming. But uh, when we talk about tax day, it kind of falls into my sermon today on no longer slaves. And what we're talking about is freedom in Christ and how Jesus Christ can unlock the chains that bind us and the sin that enslaves us. And how we can wreck our lives with the stupid choices we make when we follow our heart and doing what we feel like and avoiding discomfort and choosing the road of least resistance. And today I want to look at another link in the chain that can enslave us. And I believe it's a temptation or a desire or kind of a, a, a struggle that we have. And it's something I don't think that if we listed temptations, we would put it on the top of the list. In fact, you might even say that's no problem for me because it's subtle and it creeps into our lives. And it's an area that we would not say is a problem, and it's an area called greed. Greed can be fascinating. You know, I have pastored this church for 30 plus years, and I have pastored a church before that, and I've never had somebody come into my office and say, oh, pastor, I struggle with the sin of greed. Because most of us probably don't see it as a problem. So why do you think that Jesus talked about this more than a lot of other things in the Bible. So how does Jesus teach us to deal with this concept in our lives? See, we know what greed is. We see it in the marketplace. We see it in our culture. There are signs that can show up in our life that say this is a problem. Yet it's hard to see in ourselves. Because it involves a love of money, a preoccupation with money, a maybe a continual anxiety about finances. And in Luke 12, chapter 13, Jesus gives us some insight into how to handle this area of your life. Yes, forgiveness and our salvation is secure in Jesus Christ and we trust him by faith and are saved. And we have God's undeserved favor based on what Jesus did by dying on that cross. And our salvation is by faith and not by our works. And we know that God loves us in spite of our sin. But we have this tendency to rest our security on things on the outside. See, but sin itself is very serious. Jesus came and died so that we can be forgiven. So we need to take sin seriously in our lives and kill those things that chain us down before they kill us so that we can live a life pleasing to God. And so what we see here in Luke chapter 12 is Jesus teaching a lot of people. And a man steps up out of the crowd and says, Teacher, please tell me to tell my brother to divide my father's estate with me. And Jesus replied, Friend, who made me judge over you to decide such things as that? And then Jesus said these very important words. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist by how much you own. So Jesus basically zeroes in on this. He, he zeroes in on this problem. And you notice that the second one is the good news version. It said a person's true life is not made up of the things he owns, no matter how rich 
he may be. So what he's saying here, he's saying this man was wanting a judgment that was based on finances. And Jesus understands that the problem is not just his older brother. It's not just the legal system. The problem was this man's heart. And Jesus is implying that this man has a greed problem. He says, watch out. He says, uh, be on guard against all kinds of greed. See, Jesus makes these statements to make sure that this man understands that life isn't measured. It doesn't consist of how much you own. Or like the good news says, a person's true life is not made up of the things he owns, no matter how much he have or how rich he might be. So how do we kill greed before it kills us? Let me give you a couple of steps. Put God above your wish list. I think all of us have wish lists. If you go online to thisiswhyimbroke.com, you'll find a never-ending list of unique gifts from Amazon. And that site offers stuff up that, that can be the coolest stuff. Where people will look at it and say, yeah, that wouldn't be bad, like having a spoon that's made for dunking Oreos into milk. So you won't get your fingers wet for $4.99. Also, a pet hair wig for your cat for $39. Or, or a water jet pack where it says, move over sliced bread. The water jet pack is the greatest thing ever. It can lift you 30 feet in the air, move you at 30 miles an hour, and practically guarantee certain death. <laughs> 3,500 people had this on their wish list at only $68,000. Well, we all have wish list, but only if our wish list could actually satisfy us. Think about all the items in your attic, garage, or basement. Those things that were probably on your wish list. Think about your closet. Go in there and look at the clothes you don't wear anymore. At one point, those items were on your wish list. How many of us have treadmills and ellipticals that are now used for hanging clothes up in the bedroom? How many people have lock-in stores? And how many people have made a lot of money on renting lock-in stores? See, we always find something that we need. It's, it's human nature to wish. And there's nothing wrong with things. There's nothing wrong with money. Hear me on that. Money and things are a gift from God in the Bible, Abraham was incredibly rich. See, it's not about having a lot of things, money and possessions, but greed can creep into our lives when we try to find security in money and things other than God. Did you hear me? Greed creeps into our lives and it's when we're trying to find security in something other than God. And an indicator of that Greed is a problem is when we start to worry more about money and we start thinking about having enough. And you add in the social pressures. Let's say you, you're a young couple and you move out of an old house into a, a new neighborhood with nicer homes and 
suddenly you see their houses are decorated better, so you got to buy better decorations, or everyone drives a nicer car, so you need a newer car so you can be like everyone else. And our perspective, perspective gets skewed, and we don't realize what is actually happening in our heart. See, greed is trickling in, but we mask it as a lot of other things. So Jesus in this story tells us about this individual wrestling with greed. And that's why he says in Luke 12, 15, life is not measured by how much you own. And the word measure, it means what it consists of to have a certain characteristic. So Jesus is saying life is not possessed through possessions. Life is not possessed through possessions. But that isn't what our culture says, is it? Culture sees it as life is about having good things, a, a good house, a good car, good kids, good stuff. And we say, if I had everything on my wish list, then my life would be so good. But what we need to realize is, is that we need to put God above the wish list. And when you put God above the wish list, He takes care of the rest of the list. So try putting God first. See, God not only provides you with good things, but He helps you to enjoy what is truly good about those things you already have. So life is not measured by what you own. So watch your wish list. Also, guard against the desire to acquire. That same Amazon site allows you to see what other people are putting on their wish list, unless they make it private, where you can look at it, but the number one thing that shows up on people's wish list is home security cameras and home security systems. And what does that say? This shows that we are a culture concerned about guarding our stuff, our things, Yet Jesus comes along and flips this human tendency on his head in Luke chapter 12. And it's not watch out for thieves or guard your stuff. Jesus says, watch out for greed, guard your heart. Watch out for greed, guard your heart. And that word guard means to hold someone in close custody. Like guards were closely used in biblical times, there would be four groups of four soldiers that would guard a prisoner where you knew that prisoner was not getting out and that prisoner was going nowhere. And the same way Jesus is saying, guard your heart, protect it from the greed in our lives. And then if you look at Luke 12, verses 16, 17, 18, and 19, Jesus goes on and tells a story about a rich man that had a fertile farm ground that produced fine crops. And he says to himself, what should I do? I have no room for all my crops. Isn't it interesting that he's talking to himself? He's not consulting a friend or family member. He just says to himself, I do not have room for all my crops. I shall tear down my barns and build bigger ones to hold all my crops. And storm for the years to come. See, this guy is an amazing. 
He says, I'm out of space. What am I going to do? So he builds bigger storage units, bigger barns. And see, this is a problem because scholars say that if you look at this in this biblical time, every major decision was usually run through the family or through friends because it was a communal culture, small town and lots of relatives and everybody knew everybody's business. And you didn't ordinarily make a big decision like this without getting everybody together and getting insight and input. But if you don't have family, if you don't have friends that you trust, I guess you just talk to yourself. And that's what we see, this man talking to himself, having a conversation. And isn't it interesting? Because greed in and of itself is when you put greed number one in your life and pursue it. And first of all, you will never, never have enough of whatever it is you're seeking to get that security that you're trying to find. See, money and material things cannot provide you with that sense of security that only God can provide. But when you make Him a priority, you find that security. And when you make those things your priority, what happens is inevitably... It pushes the people you love, other people, and God away. Greed is a lonely road when taken to an extreme. And it ends up being just an individual with a lot of stuff. No true friends, no family around to enjoy it. So here's a man having a conversation with himself. And Jesus flips everything around. He says in Luke 12, 20, But God said to him, You fool, you will die this very night, and then who will get everything you've worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but did not have a rich relationship with God. The implication here is, is that which you loan to God, He can reclaim or God loaned to you, he can reclaim. See, this guy was thinking wrong. He was thinking he owned it all. Where in actuality, he was just a, a tenant. He was just someone leasing that land. And the rich man thought he could do whatever he wanted with his life. He could manage his own property, whatever the way he wanted to manage it. And he could manage and navigate his money however he sought fit. But in this story, God comes along and says, hey, it's time to give back what was loaned to you. And see, that's the truth. Everything we have is on loan from God. Everything we have is on loan from God. Our health, the breath we take, it's all on loan from God. And that's why Jesus reminds us in Luke 12, 20, Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. See, the core problem isn't having a savings account and wealth. The core problem is not having a relationship with God. Putting money above everything else and everybody else in your life. And letting greed keep into, creep into your heart. And distort so much of the good God wants to do for you. 
See, life isn't measured by what you own. And that is why in this section of the Bible, what you see Jesus focusing on is seek first the kingdom of God. And he's saying when you do that, then everything will be provided to you. Which leads to the third principle. Be rich in God. Be rich in God. See, there's an investment firm that did a survey of their well-off clients. And a well-off client was somebody that had at least $250,000 or more invested. They asked this question, do you consider yourself rich? And here's what people said. 60% of the people who had a million dollars invested did not consider themselves rich. And only 50% of the people who had $5 million invested didn't consider themselves rich. So what we see here, that if that is the ratio, 50% of the people with $5 million don't think they're rich or felt security, then what is it going to take for us to feel a sense of security. And I think the truth is security doesn't come from a surplus. Rest doesn't come from riches. Satisfaction does not come from stuff and things. Because if it did, the most wealthy individuals in the world would be the most secure, the most rested, the most satisfied. And all the tabloids that follow the athletes and the actors and, and the millionaires and the billionaires will tell you that that's not the case. Jesus says, don't be a fool who stores up earthly wealth and does not have a rich relationship with God. See, we realize as we grow in our faith that God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others. Did you hear that? God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others. And I believe generosity is in the DNA of all you people here at this church. And you've shown it by the way that you give. Generosity is the key to unlocking so much of the good God wants to do in our own hearts when we give. So if you want to rest in what you have and find security and more stuff, one of the biggest things that you can do to get that real security is start giving. Regularly giving, systematically giving to your church and to others in need to be generous with what God has given you. And see, we don't need to walk around with closed fists. We need to walk around with our hands opened up where we're really willing to share. Realize greed is really a tricky thing. And if you feel threatened when people talk about generosity and giving, it may be a sign that you need to ask yourself, what's going on there in my life? What's happening in my heart that's causing me to push back against being generous. And it may be that you're struggling with that link in the chain of sin. Realize it's, it's not about someone trying to get what is yours. See, it's about me realizing everything I have is from God. 
And I want to give generously from what God has provided to me so that I will bless others. And if you're trying to find your sense of well-being and how much you have rather than who God is, you're going to have a struggle in this life. Yes, it's important to have savings. It's important to have things. But look in your heart. God says, test me in this area of generosity. And so be generous and look at your heart. See, it's about you and your relationship with God. God wants our heart, not your things. Don't let the desire to acquire creep into your heart and maybe label it as what it is, greed. And then trust God and make Him Lord of your life and give it all to Him. Pull away from all the pulls of this world and just see how God can make a difference in your life. See, life is a series of choices. And choices are for keep. And normally there aren't do-overs. And that's why the decisions we make are so important. And I think we need to be people that choose to, as God says, give Him our heart. And to understand that He is the provider and the giver of rest in all that we do. We need to trust that God will take care of us. And He's there for us. And He can break those links in the chain that tie us down and enslave us. Let us pray. Lord, we just thank You so much for being a God that cares about us. We just pray that we can be people that are focusing on the right things in life. Yeah, it's a, a subtle type of temptation in our life to have, to have that greed back there showing us what we would like to have and what we could have, what other people have that we envy and desire. But let us be content where we are. And let us learn the joy of, of serving you and being generous people in all that we do. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.